Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It is 106 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now brought to you by Digitex. We wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Alberta owned and operated. Digitex is the number one place to buy office technology and software. Hugh Porter and his staff will take care of you. In this hour from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. And at 135 today for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling, NHL Insider, John Shannon. Uh, we will tell you that you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780 squeeze a couple texts in, in and around uh, 23. At 123 today, Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for over 35 years. As we head off to the River Curry Resort Casino Hotline, a reminder, the patio now open 11 to 11 at the uh, River Curry. Uh, so check that out. And once the province gets back up and at him, River Curry will get back up and at him as we head into our Oilers Now headliner segment for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search, search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. And just so you're all aware... David Staples is coming on from the Cult of Hockey, and uh, there are a few sites that I peruse on a daily basis. So I check out The Athletic. Uh, it was good seeing Daniel Nugent Bowman's uh, back up and at her. We went on a paternity leave for a while, and uh, but he's... Uh, uh, put some really uh, e- uh, interesting pieces out of light. Uh, you've got uh, Jonathan Willis uh, and uh, Alan Mitchell, who write for The Athletic as well. you got the guys at Oilers Nation. I always check out Robin Brownlee's stuff. Jason Greger writes there. And then, of course, there's the cult of hockey with Bruce McCurdy. Uh, Kurt Levins and our next guest, uh, David Sable. So a very strong uh sort of blogosphere base in Edmonton. David, how are you doing? 
I'm doing good, Bob. I agree on the athletic. I uh, I didn't want to subscribe because they're a competitor, but they do such good work that I had to. There's, <laughs> the uh, I, I can tell you, as a college football junkie, uh, there's some terrific stuff there. Uh, some of the sources are not like I, I don't. Here, here's the thing, David. I'm I'm not a guy like I don't have to agree. Like put it this way, if somebody doesn't have the same philosophical view on something in sport or on politics with me. I don't just completely dismiss them and write them off and say, like, I tend to be pretty centrist on, on a lot of, uh, so if you're far left or far right, uh, you know, I, I'm always willing to engage and have the conversation, but we're not going to necessarily agree on everything on politics. And then when it comes to sports, if you see things a certain way, like if you're, if you're from the break them down and build them up school of development, you know what? I, I'm going to just think you don't get it anymore. And but that said, I'm not going to sit there and completely disassociate myself from an individual who thinks that way. So uh, that, that's kind of how. It, and we bring we bring this partially up, David, because of the world that you work in on a daily basis. And uh, unfortunately, you know, you have the cult of hockey, which is you know your hockey passion that you get to sort of fulfill. But then you have your main job, which is covering the pandemic for Post Media. And lo and behold, now we have a COVID situation again involving the Vancouver Canucks and we're hoping that the game gets played on Friday and there's lots of media out there that are basically inferring they don't think the game should be played on Friday. Uh, Where are your thoughts at right now with all this? It's interesting. There seems to be quite a popular opinion that they shouldn't play and um but but I you know from Leon Draisaitl and Tippett they're they're trusting the NHL to make the right call, and that's where I'm at. I mean, I think a lot of us we can project our fears about COVID that we might have ourselves our personal fears onto what the NHL should do. I don't think that's what the NHL sh- NHL should do. It that's not how they should play it. They should carefully assess the health of the Vancouver Canucks players, the state of that team, and make a call based on that. And they have the best information about that. How bad was the outbreak on the team? How sick were players? Was it, were most people just, was it a mild case for most people? Or were there a lot of severe cases? They know that. We don't know that. And so I'm, I think the NHL will, will likely make the right call. Although, as we saw on the weekend on Saturday, night uh, um, Bob the NHL doesn't always get it right now that was a a, a difficult situation but it, it's pretty clear they, they got that call wrong but on COVID you know I think that caught them by surprise the whole Colby Cave thing you know the memorial I think on COVID they're on top of this and they've been used to doing this they've been doing it for months now making this kind of assessment and I think they'll get it right well you know who was ahead of the topic was you because you said this was all going to come down to the vaccination process and so uh, Canada obviously had a significantly lower uh, case rate and death rate per capita than the United States for the better part of a year but the U.S. obviously was much more uh, progressive because they went and actually developed the vaccines in their own countries. Uh, you actually pointed out the website to me, so I'll just do the updated uh, numbers here for everybody at home. Right now, um, according to our world and data, uh, 22.79% of Canadians have, uh, per 100 has received at least one shot. Uh, the United States is up to 57.49%. Um, Israel, by the way, at 118%. That would mean they're already into their second shots, and they got a large uh, percentage of their country uh, 
fully vaccinated. And this is going to be part of the storyline for, for every everything throughout Canada right now is how quickly we can get everybody vaccinated. David, in terms of the day-to-day process, then we'll get to the hockey stuff and let you espouse on that. But how is this vaccination uh, coming along throughout? The, I mean, I had a, a call from a friend of mine today at 11.55 just saying, hey, i, I got to wait another four weeks at, at minimum here, you know, because there's there, there's a, it's not... Has there been a thing slowed down here over the last couple of days, or what are you hearing on that front? It's it's actually speeding up, Bob. I mean, the truth is that Canada did very, very poorly in procuring vaccines initially. And a lot of people will make excuses for the federal government. I won't. I don't think there's an excuse for it. I just think they're, they weren't competent when it came to um, getting on top of investing in vaccine facilities like the U.K. did and like the U.S.A. did. We just We just blew it. And there's no other way to slice it. That said, we have spent a ton of money and we, we signed a ton of contracts at the federal level to bring in vaccines. And they're starting to flow now and they're starting to flow fast. We used to rank somewhere in the 60th in vaccines per 100. Now we're in the, the, uh, in the range of 40 to 50th in the world for uh, countries in terms of vaccination rate. So we're picking it up. Uh, our spending power, we're, we're spending our way out of it, right? We're spending a ton of money, which has been the whole federal program um, through the vaccine, um, through the COVID pandemic, has spent a lot of money, and it's helped a lot of people out. I just wish they had spent a lot of money on vaccine um, facilities, production and development yeah. early on. That was our mistake. But we're catching up, Bob, and it's it's looking it's looking a lot better. But you're right. Like, what happens? Like, so far, like, the Canucks were, were wiped out in a kind of a significant way. Buffalo was. These are two teams that are out of the playoffs. If a Canadian team um, that's in the playoffs uh, gets a huge outbreak on their team in the next month or so, that's going to be really yeah. tough for those fans in those cities, players in those cities, obviously, and uh, as lo- along with all the health implications for anyone who gets the disease. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be continuing to obviously monitor this on a day. I mean, it's the biggest story of our generation right now. That's, uh, that's, yeah. uh, unfortunately, David, it is. That's just the reality yeah. of the situation. We had a trade deadline. Uh, to say that it was quiet from an Oilers perspective would be an understatement. Your thoughts on the acquisition of Kulikov and whether or not the Oilers should have done more. We did a poll, Bob, and it was kind of indicative. It was pretty much split down the middle with slightly more fans saying that saying that Ken Holland got it right at the trade deadline than, than saying he got it wrong. So most Oilers fans are, are kind of leaning in the direction that Holland got it right. You know, I was I, I was open to the idea of trading that first-round uh, pick this year if they could get a forward to play with McDavid or Dreisaitl. Um, you know, they have... Now, is this, a for, is this a forward with term left? Or just this is and this is the thing. I, I think that you know Ken Holland made the deal last year to get Athanasio. Well, Athanasio had a year of term left on his contract. That's why he made the deal. And I and I'm from the way I see the trade deadline going down. I don't know if that forward was available. No, he was uh, a restricted. At a, at a decent he, price. He, he didn't have a year of term left. He was a restricted free agent, so he needed. Oh, excuse to me. Yeah, yes. that's right. So so yeah, they had him under control. Uh, you're correct in there. So could could they get a forward who they could have under control? Or, or would have a year of term left on his contract. I was thinking of Ricard Raquel, who has one yes. year left on his deal. So I don't know. I don't think that was available for, for the right price for the Oilers. And and I would have liked the, to see them make that move. But when I see that, you know, Nick Foligno, from, uh, he has fewer points per 60 than Kyle Turris this year. And Toronto gave up a first-round draft pick for Nick Foligno. And I just think, that's really 
that's a really high price to pay for a forward. You know, he better be the ultimate glue player and the ultimate grit player because the scoring is, seems to be gone from his game. Maybe they're going to like it, and everyone's saying Toronto did well on the trade deadline, but they could be turn out to be the big loser of the deadline with all the moves they made, and if none of them pan out. So, it, you know, Matthias Janmark, he, he's hardly scoring this year as well, and he got a second-round pick. Um, and a third. And a third. And a, and a third. So it looked like the prices were pretty high. So in the end, Bob, I was kind of, you know, I'm okay with this. I'm, it looked like maybe the player that Holland wanted wasn't there. And fans in Edmonton, I think, started to turn around when they realized – I think a lot of us assumed that Taylor Hall wanted to come here with Edmonton might be his first pick. And when it hit home based on, you know, comments from Hall and uh, from Kevin Ad- from Adams in uh, Buffalo, that Boston was Hall, obviously his first pick and maybe his only pick. Um, I think people started to realize uh, maybe that deal maybe wasn't open to Ken Hall and, and maybe he didn't screw it up well, after all. And maybe the owners never made an offer for Hall. That's the other part of it. You know, like if, if Hall's camp's sitting there evaluating Darren Ferris, there actually has to be an offer there. Uh, all right. Uh, which, because I do think at some stage left wing in the offseason will be a, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Nugent Hopkins. But I think, you know, Either Nugent Hopkins sign and they sign another left wing, or they sign two left wings. And just for fun, if you're big enough points per 60, Dave, go take a look at Thomas Tatar. Okay? Thomas Tatar's numbers are pretty impressive for points per 60. David, the Oilers, I know you do your scoring chances, and I've criticized you in the past for being too Oilers-centric, too Oilers-positive on those scoring chances. Um, the numbers aren't pretty, though, over the last 10 games, are they? What's going on here? Bob? They've crashed. Like their their shots have crashed. Their their uh, grade A chances have crashed, and their goals are down significantly. So, in the last dozen games, even though there's, the Oilers have been winning, but they've been doing it on good goaltending and great special teams. Because when you look at uh, both, you know, we track grade A chances and natural stat trick uh, tracks high danger chances. Well, we both have them down about five grade A chances per game less than in the past. They were they were at about 13 grade A chances, and now they're at about 8 per game. That is a huge decrease. In terms of shots, they're down from 32 um, shots per game in the first 30 games to the last dozen games, 25. So they're minus 7 shots, and they're down uh, 0.5 goals per game at the same time. Zero, the, half a goal a game being down on the attack is pretty, that's pretty significant. So they have a problem, Bob. They're not. They, uh, Dave Tippett went to Plan B. He reunited Dreisaitl and McDavid, and it's paid off in a few games. And it's they're looking good on the power play, but this isn't working. And um, this is a real challenge for Tippett. He's he's got to figure out a way uh, to get more chemistry and more scoring out of the players that he has on his roster. I think it's possible, but it's there is a problem here. And I don't. Uh, you know, you could argue it's because they play too many games and too many nights and they're tired and it's a lull in the season and and that kind of thing fair enough but i'm looking at a real issue here for the oilers and if they don't solve it i don't see them going far in the playoffs you know what they do have right now they got the hottest line in the american hockey league with three of the top eight scores uh cooper marodi tyler benson and ryan mcleod each had a goal and an assist uh I, I know you've uh, mentioned Pittsburgh in the pants and then bringing up some farmhands that were huge. Do you think maybe the Oilers need to consider looking at a couple of these guys if they can't get some juice offensively from what they've already got sort of sitting on the taxi squad? 
Yeah, well, you know, I think plan A should be to reunite the the, uh, the dynamite line of Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto, and see if that works. If that doesn't work, I mean, uh, Cooper Morody has 17 goals in 25 games. He's just, he's the Patrick Kane of the AHL. Now, he's 24 years old, and maybe he doesn't have it to make it in the, in the uh, NHL, but, you know, Pittsburgh in 20. 16, 2017, they brought up players like Brian Rust, um, Jake Gensel, and Connor Sherry. They were just, they were unheralded AHL players who were doing very, very well. They called them up for the playoffs, and out of that came two Stanley Cup championship runs. They were key players, those three guys, when they made those call-ups. So you have Marodi and Benson, who are just ripping up in the NHL. They're both ripe as ripe can be. I would love to see Cooper Marodi and Benson be rewarded for their hard work down there, for the time they've put into the organization, and for the excellence in scoring, which is what the orders need right now. I do not see why you wouldn't try those guys on on the wing with uh, Drysaddle or McDavid for a few games. Give them a tryout, see how it works. It's it's part of due diligence in in testing everything before the playoffs to see if you can find a make, uh, way to make a, a long playoff run. Yeah, I, you know, David, I take a. I, I'd say this. I mean, Gensel was a third round pick, and so was Rust. The the surprise in it was Sherry. Sherry sort of came from nowhere. But those, I mean, third round picks are relatively speaking high picks. I mean, Gensel's got two hundred and forty five points in two hundred and eighty five NHL career games. But the gist of what you're saying, like I look at the Oilers' third line center position, and I'm thinking to myself, Are you sure Ryan McLeod isn't better than the guys that are here? I mean, if you want, no, seriously, like if yeah, you I watch know. him, I know Bob. Like you can fly. Like you're watching him, and he plays at a pace that other guys cannot play at in the American Hockey League. They've sent him video of some of the top face-off specialists in the NHL. He's improving in face-offs. And now he's a top-10 scorer, which I'm not even sure they thought was possible with him. And he's he's been quite productive. Benson and Marodi are, to me, a little different because they don't have the concern there is, is the foot speed. But I guess you're thinking both guys can think their way around uh, the uh, around the ice. Benson's board work is is exceptional. Like the, the kind of the details of his game, where he wins pucks on the boards, makes quick plays, quick passes. It's really strong. Marodi's a real flow player. He just is great with the puck. I mean, Benson was a second round pick, and Marodi, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was traded for a third round pick. He was. So, he was a so sixth round pick. Ca- I just see them yeah. as exactly the same category as 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 Rust and Gensel. They're unheralded guys killing it at the HL. So, yeah. Call them up and and McLeod. I just watched the game uh, that he played against Colorado, and and he is flying out there, and he's making uh, he's finishing plays that I didn't think he had the hands to do. So it's great to see him come on. I, I see him as a winger actually at this point. If he was as he was if he was to be called up, just because how difficult it is to play center in the NHL defensively. But any of those three guys, it would be great to see them called up. Uh, David, they, that's a pretty good team they got down there. We're not sure if they're going to play playoffs yet in the AHL. Uh, how much, uh, for, you watch the games, how much time is Lavoie, Kesserling, and Lenstrom getting? They're getting good time, and, and it was nice to see Lavoie getting significant. He was on the power play with um, McLeod, uh, Benson, and Marodi, and uh, Lenstrom. So it, it looked like it was kind of their first. Or they have two units that they send out there. Lavoie is a very exciting prospect, Bob, because he's a right shot guy, and he's a he's a shooter. He's a one time shooter, and he's a big birdie guy, kind of in the James Neal mode, um, with a nose for the net. 
Um, in terms of a need, the need for the team uh, and a player who might fill that need of being a shooter on the top line, he, he's not ready yet. We've got to see how he does in the AHL. But um, he, it looks like um, Jay Woodcroft has a fairly difficult job because he's balancing all of this, but he's doing a good job so far. This is a very good NA, uh, AHL team. I hope that it might be the best AHL team I've ever seen that the Oilers have had um, in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, the veterans that he has, though, he's, he's stacked with veterans down there, Cracknell, Stanton, uh, Malone, Joe Gambardella, Kevin Gravel, Griffin, Luke Esposito. Very, very good veteran team. But he is seems to be so far at least finding a way to get these young players plenty of playing time. So that's the good news. David, how do people follow the cult of hockey? Uh, just go online, Google it, and you'll find our stories there. There you go. That's David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. It's 125 in Edmonton. And uh, David joins us every Wednesday here on Oilers Now. He was our headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. We will tell you that uh, guests on the show receive guest certificates to Japanese Village now open for takeout orders. Full details at jvedmonton.ca. When we come back, we'll get to our North Division report brought to you by Craig Rummel, uh, Craig Hummel at uh, Remax Excellence. Sorry, Craig. Craig Hummel at Remax Excellence. This is Oilers Now. Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Jet. It's 128 in Edmonton. Let's get to our North Division Report. It is brought to you by Craig Hummel at Remax Excellence. Here's Brendan Escott. Hello, Brendan. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> yes, uh, Toronto picking up a point in last night's loss to Calgary, keeping them seven up on second place Winnipeg, eight up on your Oilers, who through 42 games have 52 points to speak of. Montreal halting a three-game losing skid against Winnipeg last night, uh, doing the Oilers a favor, but still seven points behind Edmonton for that final playoff spot. Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa, of course, round out the standings. Brought to you by Craig Hummel at Remax Excellence. Finding your dream home, listing your old home, it all starts at soldtodayedmonton.ca. Find it, love it, move in. There you have it. Uh, you know, there's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less than a task when outstanding customer service is a key to business as well. Brent Ridge Ford, 10-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. Why do they win it? Because they treat you fairly when you purchase a vehicle and they offer fair prices on warranties, insurance coverage, financing fees. they got a great service department in case there's a little bit of a glitch. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand. You can reach them at one 877 or visit brentridge.com. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell and back with John Shannon, our NHL insider, when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.